There we go, lovely. And we should have Peter Moore on the end of the telephone. Are you there, sir? Yes, you have indeed. Yes. Wonderful, Good evening, wonderful, there. wonderful. Well, it's been jam-packed this evening. How are you doing, anyhow? I'm very well, Dan. Yes, yes, can't complain. Yourself. Goody, good. Yeah, no, very well, thank you. Yep, as it all go here, we're just uh, finding the paperwork to uh, to get sorted to have a quick chat with you. Um, we're going to uh, we're going to start off with the Aussie Open this evening uh, because, uh, as it, we know, it finished on Sunday, and um, well, did it not finish in absolute style? It did, and congratulations to yourself, as you were saying right from the start, Roger Federer, Roger Federer, watch out for him, watch well, out for him, there you go. and that. I tell you what, congratulations, Dan. And, I mean, fantastic achievement, wasn't it? It's, was it 18th slam, he beat Rafael Nadal. But I thought what even more was amazing was the fact that he was seeded 17th. <laughs> yeah, I yes. mean, I, I think that came about, you know, because of the injury and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, remarkable to uh, to be seeded down there and um, and win the title. I mean, it was quite an epic final. I always remember back to the 2008 final at Wimbledon between the two of them, uh, which went on for hours and hours and hours. And obviously it wasn't quite, you know, hours and hours because of the rain delays uh, that we have over, over here. But um, it was an epic, epic final. And um, that fifth set... You know, I, we got into the fifth set and I thought, well, Rafa's got it. It's, you know, I always yeah. thought if it goes to five, Rafa's going to have it. And all of a sudden, you know, um, the goat, as they call him, turned it around and, um, you know, the title was his. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't quite believe it. I was pretty speechless, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I was as well. And, and I'm so pleased for him because you've got to remember he's been out for, what was it, six months uh, yeah. with that injury. And, I mean, it takes a lot for a guy to come back. Uh, OK, I know some people are going to say, well, let's be honest, when um, uh, Andy Murray got knocked out, of course, and Djokovic got knocked out, it did really leave it open for anybody to really get through. And uh, I even had somebody say to me a few days ago that uh, I don't really think at the end of the day he really deserved it because of those two getting knocked out, which I thought was a bit silly, really. Because, you know, <laughs> slightly, no, slightly unfair. Um, <laughs> I mean, what I thought is unfair, I mean... <laughs> You know, look, Dan, at the end of the day, there's nothing, you know, Federer can do if, if Murray gets knocked Quite out. Quite right. You know, you've uh, still got to win, right? Well, of course you have, yeah. I mean, it's the old, it's the same old saying, you have to beat what's in front of you. Yeah, now, right. you know, let's be honest, Federer did beat what was in front of him. And and I don't go with the fact that, well, I thought he had an easy uh, draw, etc. He didn't. No, he yeah, I thought place... he had a tough draw, no, didn't completely. he, really? Yeah, standing the, stand the semis yeah. was always, uh, always going to be a tough one. Yeah, yeah, but you know he just found that extra, didn't he? Really, he yeah. looked at one time, as you quite rightly say, that Raphael was going to come back and probably looked favourite. But you know, Federer drew on his experience, didn't he? Really, and uh, in the end, I think he thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, and, quite, uh, quite remarkable. It, it's, it's a fairy tale, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, really, it is absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. I think it would have been very different had Rafa won it. Um, you know, I think he would have gone up to uh, 15, 15 Grand Slams with the French Open just around the corner. You know, he's won that 10 consecutive years in a row. He could have then gone up to 16, you know, and, and possibly then passed Fed. So, you know, he's, he's, he's bridged the gap a little bit further away from Rafa. I'm not sure Rafa's going to catch him now, even if he does win the French in, in, uh, in April. No, 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 I, I 100% agree with you, actually. But... Uh... As I say, it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful achievement, and and I think overall, um, apart from Roger Federer doing so well, I think it was a wonderful event, wasn't it? I think yeah. it was two weeks of fantastic tennis. There were surprises, etc. Uh, the Brits did very well. Now we've got to praise them. Also, uh, okay, Joanna Conta was a little bit unfortunate. She ended up playing 
a, a rejuvenated Serena Williams, yeah, she wasn't really, it, really? She really is rejuvenated. <laughs> but, no, it was great. It was, it was real joy to watch. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Do you think, um, you know, now we've seen Rafa and Roger back, you know, uh, competing at a you know, very high level again, is this, is this them back coming into the, I mean, the top, top five? I mean, I know Rafa's now six, I think, up in six in the world, and, and Roger's now at ten. If they continue, uh, you know, in this vein, are we going to see them, you know, fighting at the top four with with Andy and Novak again? Possibly, possibly. Um, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting, as you say. The French comes up next, isn't it? As, as regard the, uh, you know, obviously the next uh, uh, Grand Slam tournament. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's difficult to say, really, Dan. I, I, it's it's really difficult. I mean, I. Yeah, I think overall, I think both of them, yes, I do go along with what you say. I think they've got a very, very good chance. Um, possibly the likes of uh, Varinka and people like that are going to have to play below their best. Mm. And Federer and Natel, I think, have got to play equally as good as they did in the Australian Open. Mm. Uh, myself, I mean, you know, th- 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 that would be my honest opinion. I just feel that they've got to keep this up, whereas perhaps, as I say, Varinka and people like that, uh, um, Milos Ranić, etc., those type of guys, I think perhaps have got to uh, not play as well. Then I think you know we could be seeing a rise from you know Federer, obviously in the rankings, etc., and uh, and Adele as well. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year now. Really, sort of uh, shaping up to be uh, very, very interesting. Rather than seeing you, you know, top two, we've uh, potentially got a top four, even a top six, as you say, with. Uh, Vavrinka and uh, Milos Raonic, who he can, you know, put some stuff together, obviously, in the uh, Wimbledon final last year against mm-hmm. Andy. You know, who knows? He's very young still and can, uh, you know, go on to great things. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, he, he, as you say, a wonderful uh, year last year, of course, quite quite rightly so. And, uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, the likes of Federer and Nadell getting through to the final and, obviously, the, the shock of Andy Murray going out so early and the equal shock of uh, uh, Djokovic going out so early, it just proves one thing, that on the day, so, you know, a lot of players can beat the real top five or six. Yeah, no, absolutely. Can't they, really? Yeah, not I mean, wrong. You know, if, if these top five or six don't perform at 100%, Dan... They've only got to have one or two percent off their game, hmm. then the opponents can rise to their game, and all of a sudden, that's why you're going to get shocked. And, yeah. and uh, we've had shocks in the Aussie Open. I'm pretty certain with the French coming up, obviously Wimbledon coming up later on as well. Um, I think it's going to be possibly a, a year of shocks. Yeah, it's going to be. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting, uh, yes, uh, interesting <laughs> statement. But uh, we'll see if you are you are correct uh, towards the end of the year, no doubt. Let's leave the Aussie Open there, um, yep. Peter. Um, always good to chat a bit of tennis, but we're going to move on to cricket very quickly. Obviously, not uh, great news for the England cricketers today, losing out to um, to uh, the series win two uh, one um, and seventy five runs. It was India they were playing, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Not good stuff for them. It wasn't uh, very disappointing, uh, but then. Not just in the 2020s, uh, Dan, in the one days England have been disappointing in the, obviously before that, the Test Series as well. Yeah. But the ODI, I mean, okay, England won the first ODI. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. thought, you know, I thought at the time that England bowled exceptionally well, especially towards the death. And I thought England could possibly go on and win this series, which mm. would be great. But mm. credit where it's credit's due, India never gave up. They fought their way back. And in this ODI, I mean, okay, to post 202 for six, 
on a reasonable wicket, to be fair. It's a bit of small ground as it was. I just thought at the time, I just thought that that would be too many for England to chase. Having said that, England did so well with Root and Morgan. At one time, 119 for two. You would have thought then England were in a terrific shout of actually pulling off, which would have been, I believe, only their second best run chase of having to chase over 200. Mm. If they had done that, it would have been fantastic. But... What a what a collapse! I mean, yeah, they didn't have a great day, Morgan and uh, Morgan and Root, did they? <laughs> well, they didn't. But then you can add various other players in that as well. You know, 119 for two, and in the end, being skittled out for 127, they lost eight runs, uh, eight wickets. Sorry, for eight runs yeah, yeah, in about yeah. 19 balls. Yeah. yeah, it was disastrous. It really was. And I just think it just sums up English cricket playing in the subcontinent. Unfortunately, Dan. Uh, the conditions out there are always going to favour subcontinent sides. Obviously, they favour India, they favour Sri Lanka, all those types of sides. And England just cannot play against slow bowlers. I mm. mean, there was a you know a leg break bowler, uh, uh, Chanel, uh, Chahel, sorry, who came in today. Who took six for twenty-five, and uh, you know I'm not saying he was <laughs> you know six for twenty-five, but fantastic figures. Yes, England, a few players got out to some very poor shots. But the reason they got out to poor shots more than anything was this guy and, and the rest of the slow bowlers that India have up their sleeve, they put on so much pressure on the batsman and all of a sudden the run rate starts creeping up. Mm. If you you know, if you're having to go seven or eight and over, it's difficult. Yeah. But then if you start putting pressure on, start taking wickets and key wickets, then all of a sudden England were chasing like twelve, thirteen, fourteen and over. Yeah. And that is exceptionally hard, especially when you're up against some very, very good slow bowlers, exceptionally good. And you've got to remember, in this T20 series, India rested uh, Ravi Ashwin as well yeah. and, and Jadeja. I mean, if they'd have been playing, especially on today's <laughs> wicket, I, I dread to think they would have. <laughs> I really do, seriously. <laughs> you, mentioned, um, you mentioned that England struggle with the slow, slow bowling. Trevor Bayliss has, has said that he thinks the spin is the key to uh, England keeping up with these, with these teams. Would you agree? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm using this as an example, Dan, but you're right. I mean, if you have a look at uh, not just T20 games, but one-day internationals, uh, so many games are won by slow bowlers. It is, it's, it's, not, it's not the pace bowlers, it's the slow bowlers. And the reason they do is the fact, like I said earlier, that they tend to... If, they, if you can bowl really economically, even if you don't take the pitch, you immediately put pressure. And the problem with, in, uh, with England is we haven't got the calibre of slow bowlers to really A, take four or five wickets in an innings, which obviously like the guy did today, but and B, more than anything, put pressure on, you know, Moon Ali, uh, yeah, he might take one or two wickets down, but he's going to go for a lot of runs. Mm. Uh, Rashid is the same, you know, today's a classic example. And that is the problem. It's, it's uh, other countries have got slow bowlers, who can adapt to good conditions, true, but at the end of the day, that they they put pressure on batsmen. And unfortunately, we haven't, to be fair, got players who can actually do that. I mean, how do you get around it? It's very, very difficult. I mm. mean, to me, let's be honest, the, the best slow bowler that England have had for a long while was Graham Swan. And, you know, unfortunately, obviously, he, he gave up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his decision I mean I did say at the time that <laughs> he's going to be a massive loss to England and he's not going to be able to be replaced and in fairness he hasn't been able to be replaced mm. because as I say we just don't produce good young bowlers I mean the main reason for that quite simply is the fact that wickets that 
county players uh, play on, you know, every summer, etc. Those type of wickets are, are not. Uh, really suitable for, for slow bowlers because, in fairness, groundsmen cannot prepare uh, slow type of pitches because for two reasons: a, the conditions mm. with the climate that we yeah, have in yeah, this yeah. country. Obviously, you know, we, we, it's just it's, if we if we had blazing hot summers, Dan, we'd be absolutely fine. But yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, this is England. Hello, you know, it doesn't like that. <laughs> it does not when was the last blaze. time we had a wonderful summer? It's as simple <laughs> as that. Yeah. You know, but that's the first thing. And the, and the other point is, if, even if grounds, uh, groundsmen do start trying to prepare a slow track that takes spin early on in county matches, you have an assessor who's sitting up in a press box, and I've been there and I've seen it, and, and they're marking down already the fact that, you know, after the first day, the wicket starts turning. And, mm. of course, then because the club then start getting into trouble, and sometimes that can amount to points deducted. So, okay. therefore, you know, you've got no chance of actually trying to encourage slow bowlers. Mm. So, what? where now for England? They're obviously not doing great in the T20, either with the uh, one-day internationals, the Test Series. What, 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 what's going to... I know we've just mentioned the, the, the bowling, but it's not just about the bowling. Is it the mentality of the team? Where do they go from here? Yeah, I mean, very good question. Uh, <laughs> it is very good. I mean, at the end of the day, okay, you can sit down and say, look at this uh, T20 series. You can't fault Joe Root. And you, to be fair, you can't fault Owen, uh, fault Owen Morgan. Mm. Um, they've done exceptionally well with the bat. Uh, and, and also Jason Roy, owning the innings, I think has done exceptionally well also. So those players, if you were going to pick a T20 slot, you'd have to virtually nail them in. It's as simple as that. You know, there's no other competition to get near them. It's very difficult with the sort of selection people that England can call on to try and perhaps uh, make us a better better one-day unit. Mm. Um, it's, 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 it's hard. It really is. I mean, it's right. people saying, well, why don't you bring in so-and-so and bring in so-and-so and drop so-and-so and drop so-and-so. But England have tried formats of bringing in certain players. I mean, OK, Sam Billings has come in, you know, for this T20. Um, he's done OK. He hasn't he hasn't set the world alight. He's done OK. But mm. again, he, coming up with a lot of one... You've got to remember, we've got a lot of one-day cricket coming up. England don't play a test match now until uh, July, which is which is quite frightening, actually. Yeah, yeah, Between yeah. now and then, it's all like one-day stuff. So yeah, it's different disciplines. So it's, it's so it's different. Mm. As you said, Dan, it really is difficult. So... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't like to be a selector. I wouldn't put my <laughs> hand up, and I wouldn't even like to be in Trevor Bayliss' shoes. Uh, to be fair to him, it's a tough job. Someone's got to do it. He's paid a lot of money to do it. So, you know, good luck to him. Really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, no, improve. yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's leave cricket there. We've got uh, the all important Six Nations coming up over the next uh, month or so, which is uh, going to be riveting. Um, everything's looking. Uh, I, I know England are tipped to uh, take. Uh, Take the title, whether it be the Grand Slam or just uh, the Six Nations itself, but uh, it's not a done deal, I don't think. So, Saturday, uh, 1425, 2.25, kick-off of Scotland, Ireland up at Murrayfield. Uh, reports that Vern Cotter has developed a very, very strong Scottish side now um, in his, uh, his final, uh, final uh, moments of, uh, of management with, with Scotland. Um, how, how do you see them uh, competing at the weekend at home? I think they compete very well, Dan. The only problem with Scotland is uh, they can be and have been in the past very inconsistent. Um, on paper, you look at the Scottish squad this season, in particular coming up for the Six Nations, and it does look very, very strong. And a lot of people are saying Scotland will surprise people. Mm. My only doubt would be, like I say, it's the inconsistency level. I mean, they're, they're going to be up against Ireland, who I 
think, apart from England, are going to be the two sides that are going to be challenging for the Six Nations. It, to me, it's either Ireland or England. I mm. can't honestly myself see anybody getting close to them. So it's going to be very, very difficult. Ireland are going to be missing Johnny Sexton, which is going to be a massive, massive loss for Ireland, especially coming up on Saturday. And, um, and Omani as well, I understand. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, correct. Exactly. So basically, that's two key players. Mm. Sexton is going to be the key player. Um, so you possibly say Scotland might just have a squeak of a chance of being at home. Mm. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them. And yeah, absolutely. I'm not too sure. I, I, personally, I think Ireland will go to Scotland on Saturday and win. Yeah. And That's so, my prediction. Yeah, I will, <laughs> OK, so you're agreeing with JP. What, uh, what do you think the scoreline's going to be? <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Uh, oh, dear. Um, I'll go 18-12. 18-12 to Ireland now. 18-12. I'm going to write these down. Oh, this I is, thought you uh, would. <laughs> I know. Next time you speak to me, you're going to say, what on earth are you predicting? That was awful. <laughs> well, we've got a, a 26-16 <laughs> for Ireland with JP. I've said Scotland are going to sneak a victory at 18-15. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, you've got Ireland 18-12 as the victors. Yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be a tight one, I think. I think it will. the home advantage is going to really favour uh, favour Scotland. I think the couple of injuries that Ireland have got are, are going to be crucial. So we shall see. Moving on, um, England are playing France then at Twickenham, uh, ten to five kickoff. Um, it's um, it's going to be tough for them. A few injuries f- for mm. them as well. Um, we just heard that uh, George Cruz is now out with injury as well. Um, how does it look for them? Yeah, it's, I mean that's a massive loss as well, as you quite rightly say. A one plus point will be the return of Joe Marler, obviously the Harlequins prop. I yep. mean, three, three weeks ago, Dan, I actually saw him playing for Quinns. And he hobbled off, and we were told that he's got virtually a broken leg. He could be out for six, eight weeks, even longer. Yeah. Uh, but modern science being as it is, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. You know, three weeks, Joe Marler returns just with a fractured leg. I'm going to play, and almost certainly he will start uh, on the front row. Mm. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I will say with England is, yeah, they, they've had a, they haven't had the best of build-up injury-wise no, ahead of this Six Nations, mm. and as you quite rightly say, there's a few players out. But the good thing with England is they've got such a good strength in depth squad. Yeah, they have now. You know, Eddie Jones can sort of say, "Okay, it's really unfortunate that George Cruz is at. But but look at, you know, sort of look at the second row. Mm. Um, Courtney Laws, Joe Launchbury will probably Mm. come in. And Maro Itoji will probably play as flanker. So... Eddie Jones is lucky, in my opinion. That well, I think he's, he's developed that. You know, I remember seeing an interview not that long ago. He said when he took over, there wasn't that much strength and depth in the side. He said he needed to develop that so that, you know, it's a physical sport. They're going to get injured. You've got to have good replacements, not guys that can come in and sort of just, you know, fill a spot, but really, really hold their own in that position. So, you know, all credit to Eddie Jones, no? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, as you said, I mean, it is down to him, you're you're 100% right, Dan, exactly. So, therefore, even though England will say, well, look, we have got a lot of injuries, you just feel that, as I say, not just even the starting 15, the players he will have on the bench that can come on as well, I think are going to be exceptionally good and strong as well. So, I'd have to say that I've got a feeling England will beat France. France will come into this game they've also got a lot of injuries as well. They've got about five or six main players out. And the other thing with the French, remember, Dan, is they're so inconsistent and they do not travel well. Mm. 
you've got to remember that they're very good at home yes yeah. but away from home whenever they seem to travel it's like the old travel sickness bug isn't it you know, they just <laughs> oh dear we're going to get on a plane i don't feel very well no you know i'm not really up for this type of thing uh it, pressure's going to be on england yeah as you said that they're, they're firm favorites uh they need to start the campaign with victory. England Absolutely. are notoriously slow starters yeah. in the Six Nations. Yeah, we yeah, all yeah. know that, as you probably know yourself and everybody will tell you. But it's going to be a big test for England. But I just feel that, as I say, strengthening depth-wise, and they've got you know the magic of Eddie Jones at the moment. The man cannot do anything wrong, no matter who he picks or puts in or whatever as the you case may seem, be. Can't seem to get out of the shower very well, though. No, he doesn't. You're right. Yeah, it was quite quite interesting, that, wasn't it? You know, everybody was sort of saying, well, hang on, has his wife hit him or yeah. hit him or done this or whatever? Or can't have been an argument with a player, surely. I think it was Dylan Hartley. Here he said, give me the captaincy <laughs> or I'll punch you. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> uh, uh, but, and then all of a sudden he turns around and says, oh, no, I, I, you know, I was in a rush and blah, 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 blah. I fell out of the shower and don't worry about it mate i'll be fine you yeah, know i'm yeah. faster but uh, i mean he's wonderful he's yeah very good media he's absolutely, absolutely good yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah i i just feel that england will do enough i suppose you're gonna ask me for prediction now. i am gonna ask you for prediction I absolutely you were. Yeah. And, you know, i can read you like a book yeah, young <laughs> hendo i can um i reckon england will win like i said i think uh i reckon i'm gonna go sort of 24 uh 12 Mm, to England now. Okay, okay, yeah, not I far again. You know, we're we're not far off. We got JP on twenty seven eighteen, okay. uh, myself on twenty four seventeen, um, yeah. and and yourself on twenty four twelve. So I, I think you, I think we're all sort of fairly fairly in fairly in uh, in the right area though. <laughs> um, anyway, time will tell. Uh, let's just have a very very quick chat mm. about uh, Wales and Italy. Uh, that's a Sunday match, um, three p.m. kickoff. Um, new captain for us in Alan Jones. Can he lead them yeah. places that Warburton didn't? Possibly. Um, Wales, I think you can throw into the equation, just like Scotland. I know a lot of people say on their day, Wales are very good. Yeah, you know, as you say quite rightly, a new captain uh, might be able to get more out of a side. It's difficult to say. I'm not too sure about this Welsh side. They didn't have a particularly good international uh, campaign, remember, Mm. uh, leading into this. You know, read into that what you want, Dan, I know. But I'm not 100% too sure. And I've got a feeling that Italy, under former Harlequins uh, director of rugby, Conor O'Shea, is going to... I mean, he spoke to me a while ago and he said, you know, we're, we're not going to sort of turn around and say, yeah, we're going to win games. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious they're not. But you've got to remember, they've got a poor record in the Six Nations. They've only ever won one game, and that was against Scotland mm. uh, last year. Mm. But I think that can be improved under Conor. And I just think that Italy, especially at home... They're going to be very, very dangerous. Away from home, possibly not, true. But at home, at Rome, I think that's going to be difficult. And I've got a feeling that in the Six Nations, Italy are going to win one game, possibly two, I'll be quite honest with you. I really do think so. And I've got a feeling, I know a lot of people said, I think Wales will have enough on Sunday. I think you could have the first upset of this uh, Six Nations. And I'm going to plump for, (laughs) I've gone on record as saying that I think Italy... We'll just have the edge oh. narrowly over Wales. You heard it here first. Controversial. I'll be probably proved totally wrong, and Wales will win about 35 <laughs> and I'm going to look a right idiot, as I normally <laughs> do. But no, seriously, I mean, you know, they've got to play Wales at home. They've also got to play France at home as well. You know, it's going to be difficult. We know that. They're complete underdogs, but 
On their day, I mean, back in the international campaign, before the end of the year, they did beat South Africa. Mm. It was at home, but they played exceptionally well. And since then, they've had internationals against other sides. All right, yeah, they did lose to Tonga, true, but they've been competitive. And Conor O'Shea said, all I want to see now is competitiveness, and this team will eventually start getting stronger. Uh, Well, they've always had that... uh... I mean, I say je ne sais quoi. Mm. It's obviously not Italian, it's, you know. But um, they've always had the ability to 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 score tries. They're yeah. very physical, and um, right. they they can play some good rugby. It's just the consistency, and and as you say, maybe Please. Connor will will take that consistency and and the real meaning of of of, of how to. Uh, to, to play rugby properly and win matches, you know, and really dig mm. deep so that they can be. And, you know, you may well be right. I, I, do I say I hope you are? If there's anyone <laughs> Welsh listening, I, I don't mean it. Uh, not at all. Um, I'm just, um, just being controversial here. So you've got Italy to win. What do you think the scoreline's going to oh, be, Peter? I don't think there'd be many points scored in this. I'll be quite honest with you. So I'm going to go for a very low score in 10... 10... 10-9 there. I'm going to be really controversial about that. 10-9. <laughs> but I don't think there will be a lot in it, uh, Dan, either yeah. way. Personally, I don't think it's going to be a tri-fest. No. Uh, it's going to be probably a bit nutritional. But at the end of the day, you know, results are results. I mean, let's face it. So Wins they can get Absolutely. Win. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'll go, I'm going to go for a low-scoring game. Like I say, probably just a point in it. And I'm going to stick my neck out and everything else out and say 10 9. So. <laughs> Perfect. Peter, it's absolutely brilliant to chat to you. Thanks ever so much for your time this evening. We will, uh, we will keep those uh, scorelines very close to our chest. <laughs> and um, we'll, uh, we'll catch up and um, I'll abuse you on the social media if well, you're, don't uh, worry. you're wrong. Everybody does. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll get used to it, Dan. Don't worry. <laughs> brilliant to chat, Thanks Peter. Thanks ever so much. Have a great rest of the week. I'll, Peter I'll Moore. You during the week. Yeah, Cheers, take then. care. Cheers. Bye, bye for now. Bye. Peter Moore, everybody. Great stuff. Thanks ever so much. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with the sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.